What's up, guys? This is Sean Dan, and welcome back to the My First Property Podcast. And today, I have a guest. I hope I can call a friend soon. <laughs> where I learn from your very first book. So I learned from his very first book called WTF because the title was very, very catching. Then after that, I got into the industry and I heard his name a lot. Then I've been their customer for very long already. First time meeting him. And he's also very related to my bosses in the Makeover Guys. Uh, a lot of friends also know him. So welcome, Mr. Faizu. Uh, yeah, you can speak to <laughs> Yeah, guess call me Sean. Then uh, he's always in official medias, I think. Right, you always uh, appear on radio shows, on TVs, and things like that. So apparently, I'm a clown. So I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest nose they can find. Fortunately, <laughs> yeah, you can swing to the mic. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, before that, uh, you want to kind of introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, hi. Uh, my name is Faizo. Uh, I think uh, people know me as Faizo Rizwan. Uh, I've been investing since uh, 2005 uh, as a regular employee. Uh, bought about 20 of properties before I was 30 years old then wrote a book uh, book became a bestseller then I started doing seminars and you know we started and founded this company called Far Capital my partner Amanda Chong uh, in 2014 I think it was also the same year I actually co-founded the Makeover Guys mm. together with uh, Gavin and Vinza which at that point of time is my student right so 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 it was a very interesting you know yeah. last so you could have been my boss. <laughs> I, I I don't know about that. Lah. I'm a very passive guy. I, I had an idea and I, I told uh, you know, a bunch of my inner circle at that point of time, hey, who wants to do this? Lah? So mm. at one of time, Gavin's and Vinci, you know what? I, I We want to explore. I'm very happy uh, to see, you know, uh, what a, a small, you know, an overnight idea today become, you know, one of the largest uh, renovation group in the country. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just, uh, you know, a tremendous job, you know. And ideas and idea execution is uh, the key thing. Mm. So, like, since when, like, you know property was a thing that you like? I don't think it's a thing that I like. I think it's really property for me is a art of necessity. Mm. Right? So, I got inspired by this book called Rich Dad Poor Dad, which I'm sure many of you would have um, read. Um, and, and basically, the guy is so good at brainwashing. And I believe every single word that he said in the book. So basically he said, as an employee, you cannot be rich. Mm. So I, I, I'm I, I'm born into a B40 family. I started working at 13 years old, right? So I'm I'm, I'm tired of being poor. Mm. And I told myself, I don't want to be poor. So he said, you cannot be rich as an employee. So you as an employee, 23, 24 year old, upon a time, you panic already, mm-hmm. right? So what to do next? He said, there's only two ways right, to get rich. One to become an investor, the other one is to become a business owner. Mm. Right? Okay. Excited. Wanna become investor, wanna become a business owner. Try to borrow my grandfather's money to buy my first property in UM. Fail. Right? Because of the property or because of your grandfather? No lah. My <laughs> grandfather look at me, you know, what happened to you? You know, suddenly <laughs> six months ago unmotivated, now suddenly died, died want to buy a property, right? Like say, oh confirm give me money, confirm give me money, man. you know, you know when you got brainwashed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like joining MLM like that. And uh. So so and he didn't borrow me the money and I'm, I'm like, okay. I hit my job, which was uh, at the point of time a software engineer, making two thousand plus. So so he said you gotta be an investor, you gotta be a business owner, not to be rich. Mm. Right? So uh, it was hardwired really. Okay, I need to be an investor. 
uh, I need to become a business owner. So I started studying of all the investment asset class. Which one is suitable for a poor guy like me? Mm. So that means, poor means don't have capital. Have very few ringgit in your bank account. All right? So it, it turns out after looking at gold, stocks, businesses, whatever you can name it, property was the only asset class I can actually own mm. by, without using money. So the logic, straightforward. You get rich slowly. Mm. You take a 100% loan, get your tenant to pay for it for the next 30 to 35 years. I just don't have to f*** up in terms of the execution of finding tenant. As long as I can find tenant, I'm good. The property becomes free for me. Mm. Right? So I, you know, I learned that it was the only choice I have. Mm-hmm. But since it's the only choice I have, it becomes easy because, you know, I'm not intelligent, really. Uh, I always view that people who understood crypto or understood stocks, uh, those are business are actually more intelligent people. Like property, very simple, right? You find property, you can buy with no money and then get someone else to service or loan for the next 85. Really, that's it. Mm-hmm. Really, that's it. No, that's a basic understanding. I just have to master that. Mm. So I like simple things. So therefore, I begin to pursue this knowledge. I begin to interview people with three, five, ten 10 properties. Then I find out how they do zero down deal, etc. Right, and so I didn't pick property because I I felt it was the best investment class. Mm. I picked it simply because I had no money. I cannot invest in anything else. It's the only asset that allows me to own it without using money. I only need to have knowledge, energy to go and find such deal, and then execute it. So 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 that's really it. So so bought one property, and I I I remember at that point of time. I was trembling signing the SPA simply because I had a 2,500 ringgit salary. Mm. I had 2,000 savings. I borrowed money from uh, my girlfriend at that point of time. I used credit card, right? To swipe uh, a credit card for the balance of the down payment and the rest of the cost. Mm. So I was trembling simply because, oh man, I've done my research, but if I f*** this up, uh, mm. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Mm. My 2,000 cannot save me. Yeah. Right, and I nearly lost the deal simply because the owner that I bought the property from distress, uh, had a heart attack, oh. could have died, half week, mm. and the property could have uh, gone into a what I call a, a estate planning, yeah, frozen, so, frozen lah for many years, right? And that's one. the The second thing was that the offer was accepted by the wife, who at the point of time critically panicking, ah, mm. right? So if the husband recovered, he might reject my offer too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So, so, so there was a lot of things that could have gone wrong. Uh, it didn't. So I, I, I got lucky. Uh, the first deal went well. I, I had keys before. Uh, you know, the property was transferred to me. I was able to rent it out for positive cash flow and don't have to pay any installment. Mm-hmm. Right, my first deal. So, so, and uh, once the deal is completed, I get thirty thousand back. Right. So I did my first really belly property tanpa modal and zero down deal. And I get thirty thousand, and I use that capital to roll for my second property, mm. right? Which at that point of time, people say, no market for studio. I bought the first studio unit in Pudula. Wow, first no market in studio. Who's gonna rent? Mm. I remember my ex girlfriend at that point of time asked me, who's gonna rent this such a small place, right? And I said, hey, well, right now there's nothing cheaper in the whole of Bukit Bintang, and this is like five minutes walk to Bukit Bintang. A dodgy area. I think it was a prostitution place. Uh. We call it what chicken ayam. Uh. Mm. Um, I am I KFC, KFC. Bekasut, uh. so, so I don't know like, what to call it right 
So, 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 and, and you know, uh, and you know what? I, I think there will be demand because it's such a prime real estate, right? It's walkable to Sukhawang. Uh, if you don't mind a 15 minutes walk and your armpit is all wet, right? You can still walk technically. And uh, my first tenant, we don't mind a was about 700 uh, And my first tenant paid me 2000 for. So my second deal was the one that say, holy I was making 3000 per month at that point of time. Mm. I'm making 1000 plus per month from cash flow of one property. Imagine 10. Wow. 50% of my income at that particular month is coming from one property. You know, mm. That people say don't buy. Everyone say don't buy. No one is going to rent it hard to sell. Wow. That property really, you know what? If I have 10 of these, huh, I don't have to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. So, so so then you, you self-psycho. You self-psycho. Like, oh, yeah, okay, bro. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You found a gold mine already. So so I begin to buy a bunch of studio in the city center. You know, people in forum call me king of studio, blah, 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 blah. But to me, it doesn't matter. I need to get to 8,000 so that I can fire my boss. Mm. That was the goal. Right and uh, and so so I I did property simply because property even as of today I genuinely believe it's the only asset class that if you have nothing you can start something and build something on top of it. But I always tell people that the higher your knowledge is, the lower your risk and the lower the capital that you need when it comes to property. And the lower your knowledge is, mm. higher the capital and the risk that you need to take. So at that time, right. <clears throat> Was there resistance from your circle or friends or like how was it like for sure? I mean, there's always, you know, people will always have an opinion, man, mm. right? And and people have always have an opinion. People have bought a bunch of property before. Like, uh, who's going to write? Mm. And people who never bought property before will also ask you the same thing. Man. So so it's kind of like um at the beginning of your journey, you can expect zero support from anyone, mm. Right? The only person I told about my property purchase was people who are in property forums. Okay. Right? Property forums. And my girlfriend. I deal with them, my parents. But that's because you use a credit card. Lah. Huh? No, no. Second property purchase, I use cashback. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I had capital already. So she's just asking. Can I? Can I? Because the unit looks like this. Mm. There's 300, uh, 380 square foot. Who the f*** going to rent this, you know? And, and and we all like to use our existing biases, mm. Right? But for me, my logic was that, well, if you want to stay in this area, there is no other option today below 1,300 ringgit per month. Mm. Zero. I'm literally the only option. Right? So that's when I learned this strategy called become the poorest yeah. guy in a rich man's area. Because Pulu Bukit Bintang is not a poor man's area. But because you, your unit is so small and the quantum of your purchase at the time is 100 and things. No, hundred sixty thousand, I think. Mm. My 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 purchase of Casa Modera, hundred sixty thousand. It was so small, so the installment becomes very cheap. And I thought, yeah, lah, worst case scenario, I rent lah seven eight hundred ringgit. Sure, got people want one mm. right? So they say, got I maybe got I want to rent my property also. But it's not cash flow, can uh, it's not cash flow, I mean, I didn't care right at the point of time, right? So I I I bought it because the logic here is that you got no other option. Mm. Right, so as long as you own the cheapest thing there, no matter what economy, and the problem we're heading towards global financial crisis, so a very negative view towards property because well, subprime in US property price point crashed by 80 percent. Mm. So people always say, remember, even one of the very famous mentors said, "Don't buy property, guys. Buy gold. The crash is coming." Right. So 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 unfortunately, he was wrong. 
mm. right? Uh, property values went up double or triple in the next five years, uh, normally after a crash, and and gold didn't go up lah in the last ten, right? So 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 I think number one here is that if you feel strongly about something and you've done your homework, you just do it because you don't expect people to understand. I don't tell mm. my parents because they don't understand. Yeah, they're not gonna support. Hey, you know what? It sounds like a very good idea to pay hundred sixty thousand for a shoebox. Mm. Now you need to pay one point six million for the same. <laughs> yeah, no. Wow, you know what? It's a really good idea. Nah, they're not gonna do it. They're not gonna, you know, they're not property investors. So, so I, I learned, you know, Robert Kiyosaki brainwash you well. Never take advice from people who has not done what you do. Mm. Right. So, so I had to, in a way, navigate. So, and most people that I interview, when they own studios, the feedback has always been either neutral or positive. Mm. Right. Those who have done it. Will tell you not bad, wah. Right, and those who haven't will always have an opinion on, wah, 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 wah. So, 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 my ex-girlfriend at the point of time say, who wants to rent the third property? She used to say, wah, so small, who wants to rent? My second property made a lot of money. I said, you know what? You are my signal. Every time you say, who wants to rent this? I'll buy it. <laughs> what a cool girlfriend. <laughs> Man, I'm just joking, my wife. I'm just joking, okay? Uh, so, but, but going back, right? Besides the existing investors, right? Is there any like official mentors or people in the field that you are learning from? I don't have any specific. I just learn from people's experience. So mm. anyone, winner or loser, to me is a mentor. Mm. So a winner, I would I will try to understand how did he win, mm. and if it's a loser, it's still a mentor because I'm trying to understand how did he lose. You know, uh, Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's partner, uh, always say this. You know. You learn a lot from failure, and you want to know how people die so that you don't make the same decisions that lead to the death outcome, mm. right? So, so for me, I find it to be quite interesting. So when people ask me who's my mentor, I don't have like one mentor I follow to the T. So Robert Kiyosaki opened me with the concept about you can own hundreds, thousands of property with no capital, mm. and you can become multi-millionaire after 10, 15, 20 years. Good enough for me. Mm. So everything else, whether he's credible, whether he's legit the original rich that exists or not, which I, I later found out didn't, mm. right? Because I had a mentor who mentored him and he told me the full story. Because people introduced me as Robert Kiyosaki of Malaysia. So, so and he looked at me, mm. this guy's called Marshall Tebel, right? Right? He, he taught Tony Robbins, he taught Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. Right? And he said, I hope you have far greater integrity than Robert. So that's what he said. So I said, why? So then he told me the story, which that was a, uh, in a way, manufactured, and he was invited by Robert to become his rich dad. Oh, you mm. see, right? Uh, how many, how many people's heart just crushed? Again, again, again. Let's let's use context properly, right? Irrespective of uh, his story, mm. what he thought, there is nothing wrong, mm. except for maybe as an employee, you cannot be rich, lah, because. Later in my life, I found a couple of very rich employees. So you can really become a millionaire. That's the only portion I disagree with Robert. Mm. Right? Um, and, and the rest of it, I still consider him as a mentor, even though I know his story is now fictional. Yeah. Right? Um, so, so... But do you know him personally? No. Nah. I, I was supposed to do an event together, which I declined at that point of time due to scheduling. Then how... At what stage then you like, hey, you know, I can actually teach people about this or was it like all friends, hey, bro, you're making money, I can teach some. Uh? 
Uh, that that is a very interesting question. Um, I doesn't know YouTube. Uh. I, I wrote a book, right? Mm. So my book became a bestseller. So people then ask, what do I teach? So I did my, in a way, my my I, I did a, my first speaking engagement, mm. right? My first speaking engagement. I remember at a point of time, I was uh uh it, it was hosted by a couple of my mentors uh, who had mm. ambitions for the forum, um and and they wanted me the uh the kudel uh, Mm. And the horse who runs uh, while they make money behind uh. so basically they always say all oh, this property guru has got founder at the back one uh, founder mm-hmm. at the back uh. brain uh, and also the property guru is a mascot so I was supposed to be a mascot uh. mm. right and um, so I wrote the book right and uh, we launched it and the forum becomes more and more popular as a result then I got invited to my first speaking engagement I remember at a point of time there was uh, four of us uh, and I was the last speaker I was the youngest speaker and I was the only uh, Malay speaker Mm. Right, and at that point of time, uh, my ex-brother-in-law, right, uh, attended my my ex-wife was uh, Chinese Malay, mm. so they all understood Cantonese, right. So, and I was uh, in my event. I remember, uh, you know, after uh, I forgot the lady from Penang was the name. I got Nancy, uh, which is my mentor, Nancy, the diamond, the diamond property book one. Yes. Not the diamond. Diamond is Renaissance. Ah, Renaissance is based in KL. So there's one Penang, Jonita. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Jonita. Okay. So it's all time, right? Um, Jonita, myself, uh, Nancy, and there's one more. Full. I think it's PT. Maybe it's PT. I can't remember. But mm. anyway, so as I was going up, and my brother-in-law was like sitting lah, because I gave him tickets, right? and there was this guy, uh, who speaks in Cantonese. He said. What's this Malay guy doing? <laughs> and um, I, of course, I didn't know about that, that incident until like uh, many weeks later, uh, which mm. my expert in law basically casually mentioned it. So I, I felt that at that point of time, okay, wow, really, uh, you know, in this day and age, uh, uh, I am being judged by my skin color. color mm. right? uh, and my second event, uh, whereby we tried to do like a course and, you know, again, brainchild of my so-called uh, Yep. Right, uh, and then I we we did you invite a couple of foreigners, so they're all very nasty. So in a way, like, how the do you know more about property investment? Sure, you have more property than me, but you have never gone through a downturn. Mm. Right. What do you know? So I begin to realize that at the end of the um, you know, um, whether I'm ready or I'm not ready, um, it makes no difference. Right. So so that two incident basically shaped me to what I am as of today. Mm. So. I decided at that point of time, right? Okay, I'm gonna be the most data-driven, the most knowledgeable fellow in this industry. I'm gonna speak facts and data, mm. right? Because I know if I speak facts and data, there's no dispute. Everyone has got a opinion mm. on something. You put data, you put facts, and a story. So I will present things as it is. Mm. So that was my 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 goal. And 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 to me, if I'm gonna present things as it is, I don't need to be an expert. Yeah. Yeah? Yep. Right? And my book was written in such a way whereby I'm not an expert. I'm telling you my story. Yeah. I f***ed up along the way. And mm-hmm. I tell you my story. Whether you like my story or not, it's, yeah. it's up to you. Huh? Mm-hmm. You cannot say my biography is wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's my life story. Right? Sorry that you don't like. Uh, sorry, you don't like it. La. I mean, sure, you got parents who got houses in TTDI or DJ and whatnot. And you look down on me because, you know, I'm from Sentul. I have parents who give me nothing. I mean, mm. Okay. Fine by me lah. Um, but you know, I, I, but 
my 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 book was a storybook, and at least it was a genuine story. Mm. It wasn't fictional, right? And 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 a lot of people seemed to like it because it was the first so-called property storybook. Uh, and I think uh, you know I've inspired a bunch of people to sell cars and to drive motorbike, mm. to own property as a result. That was mind blowing for a while until today. Yeah. So I got people and say, you know, one of the how about you today? Uh, one of the things that will make my week or my day will always be, hey bro, I, I bought your book many years ago and because of you I sold my car and today I own three properties. Mm. Of course, I own a car as of today. Lah, mm. Right? And and so it's always one of those things uh, rather than, you know, I'm probably another property we make a couple of bucks, right, from the business. So that will always be, in a way, my happiest uh, so-called moment. Mm. I realized very early in life that I, I'm, I'm the happiest when I make an impact into someone else's life mm. rather than, you know, I I buy a new watch or I buy a new car or, or a figure in a bank. It's, um, it's okay. Mm. You need to live, right? You need to live and you like nice things and that's fine. But uh, ultimately, the one that will make me happy is always going to be that those things. Mm. Then when you talk about just now, like the racial thing, uh, I think because you are <laughs> the very first Malay male in this podcast, mm. is there like Still a stigma towards like Malay tak tahu hatalah. Uh, I think I do. Mm. All right. So so let's let's have a very honest, real conversation. Ninety nine percent of the players in the property industry are Chinese. Mm. Right. More than ninety nine percent of the developers are Chinese. At least in the last, you know, yeah, couple of years. Uh, if you take out the GLCs, right, privately owned. If you take out the GLCs, mm. uh, Chinese. So they have always operated in an environment whereby. Uh, the Malay and the Indian economy, mm. the Chinese have got their economic wealth to go and buy property. So naturally, if you're a developer, you target low-hanging fruit. Lah. Mm. Right? You target people who have got money, right? And most people, even for Bumi Kota, as you know, right? you got Bumi Discount, you got Bumi Kota. Most developers, they already made the assumption, I'm not going to sell any of the, my Bumi Kota because the Melayu got no money. Mm. Right? Yep. So therefore, I'm just going to sell first and then after that, I'm going to convert to non-Bumi. Mm. Right, because that's what I know how to do, right? And I have to escape this comment uh, by people like, "Oh, you are very rare for a Malay," and just smile, yeah. right? And uh, got agents coming to me and say, "We are lucky that there's only one Faisal. We've got ten of us. Ten of you are mati lagi, you know." So um, I, I see it as a compliment. Uh, I I work hard. I think you know, if you look at my company, uh, we are not a Bumi Putra company. La. Yep, my partner is non-Bumi mm. most of my second liners are non-Bumi too yep right so for me if you are the right person for the job you got the job you're going to be well rewarded I experienced racism when working in a bank I don't want to build a similar company mm. right it's not the most ideal but today I think no one can can say that I'm racist towards anyone simply because they are of certain race okay right so yeah I think racism is still big number one and number two I think if I if we look at Today, honestly, people who are racist are paying the price. People who are racist are paying the price. Yes. You pay a very dear price. Mm. Right? Let's say from a developer point of view, right? So I'm going to talk about developer, buyer, investor, right? Okay. So from a developer point of view, if you genuinely believe that the Malays and the Indians have got no money, you're not going to target them, you're not going to market them. So what, what's going to happen? You're going to have 30-40% sales in the first one to two years. Yep. Right? But the result, cash flow-wise, is going to be a problem. And who is going to end up paying for the additional cost of financing? It's going to be the developers. So 
when you being racist like that, mm. you pay the price as a developer. No. Even as a property buyer, right? Property buyer. Let's say own stay property buyer. And I'm talking about general racism here, right? Talking about Blaze, Indian or Chinese, right? I always use this analogy whereby you don't buy into an area whereby it's majority single race or mm. yes, there's no way to label any Kawasan Melayu. Yeah, this yeah. is a Kawasan China or this is Kawasan India. Mm. Right? So for example, right? If I say to you the word Bangi, mm. which race will come to mind? Malay lah. Right? If I say the word Jinjan, which race will come to mind? <laughs> the gangster, the Chinese here. <laughs> Chinese gangster. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Kampung Baru, which gangster? I don't know. Malay gangster lah. Ah, yeah. Uh, uh, and then, uh, you go to Sentul, which gangster? <laughs> Indian? Ah, there you go. So, you see, when you buy into an area like that, simply because, you know, you feel that, you know, I, I want to be nearby my race. So, so there's a couple of things that will happen. Number one here is that you're going to have limited renters. You've got limited buyers because your pool of renters and buyers is only going to come from that same race. Mm. Make sense? Yep. Right? Because it's in, co- in correlation to the... Correct. So, if you are, for example, right, you own something, let's say, for example, in Sha'alam, you already know already. Yep. Sha'alam is majority Melayu one. Mm-mm-mm. Your only tenant is going to come from that race. Mm. There's no competition from Chinese or Indian. What's going to happen? It's going to be a buyer's, uh, tenant's market or is it going to be an owner's market? It's going to be a tenant's market. Especially when the supply is plenty. Right? Because mm. you know, you've got nothing else yep. going for you. Right? So, which is why we say, you always want to buy neutral territory lah. Mm. actually you make more money by not being racist so if you look at today the best performing areas like Bangsa what race? no such thing mm. anyone who's rich want to stay in Bangsa anyone who's rich want to stay in TTDI anyone who's rich want to stay in Desa Park City anyone who's rich want to stay in Monkera money is not racist mm. yep yeah, money don't understand racism wealthy people are just wealthy respective of what is your race? Uh? if you are there you are there yeah. you know what I mean? So today, I see a lot of people are paying the price for being a, what I call, closet racist. So a lot of people appear to be, oh, I'm this international guy and I speak good English, blah, blah, blah. But deep down inside, yeah, I buy this area, you know. Mm-hmm. So I want to buy this area because of, you know, for whatever reason, right? So that's one. And uh, ultimately, I think, um, even, uh, you know, as you know, there's a lot of property buying groups out there. I know I'm being singled out because I'm the only one which is mixed. Mm. Well, I've got a fair representation. I've got 70% Bumi. I've got 30% non-Bumi, which is an accurate demographic representation of the Malaysia. Country. Yeah. Right? But I think you also know there's a lot of other players who target specifically Malay group who end up becoming a scammer. We all know. Right? <laughs> uh, and there are people who are specifically targeting the Chinese group who today drives very nice cars. Mm. Right? Uh, but brought people to go and buy shitty properties. Uh. Mm-hmm. the reality here is that as an investor you pay by being a racist mm, right you, okay. because you're not open-minded enough to go and see hey potentially there's a Indian guy or a Malay guy who can do this better yep you're not even open to the possibility and if you have that mentality of only this guy of particular race can lead me to, mm. to glory so so you are always going to pay yep. so for example even for the Malay community like for example because I speak English mm. I'm like neither here nor there one. I'm really like even that. You are even raced out from your own race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My clients are typically the slightly educated one. Mm. And because I do English, right? So a lot of my contents are in English, right? So for them, they, they, they cannot relate to me. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm not even liked by my own race. Bad for you, man. But anyway, like, uh, speaking back to coming 
so long, right, to the establishment of Far Capital. Can you, like, briefly just discuss about what you do, like, what Far Capital do in the industry? I think, ultimately, in terms of what we do for our long-term goal, right, mm. um, is that we are trying to better people's financial. So we try to improve people's cash flow, number one. We want to help increase property ownership, mm. right? And number three, we're actually trying to reduce property prices. Okay. Okay. If you want to briefly like <laughs> explain that a little bit right. further. So it's, it's ironic, right? Because we're essentially a property investor club. We want property values to go up, right? I, I, I do want it to go up. I want it to go up in a sustainable way, mm. number one. Number two here is that there's always going to be two groups of buyers. One is the investors and one is the own stay. When I say property price point cheaper, I want it to be cheaper for people who are looking to buy their one and only home. Mm. For the investor, as long as there's value, we'll pay the price. We're fine. Right? So how do we do this? So today, we are the largest group in the country. Right? Uh, and we have about 22,000 clients. Right? How do we make it cheaper is that because when you are operating of that kind of size, then developer then comes to you and asks, Faisal, what kind of product do I build? Mm. What kind of product do I build? So rather than their short sendiri, yeah, thinking, right? Oh, if I build this product, because, you know, as a developer, you're actually quite rich one. No? You stay in bungalows and your toilet is this big, right? So your toilet is this big. So you cannot phantom this idea of why would anyone stay in a 350 square foot studio because you reach a certain level. I <laughs> get this question. You sure Faisal got people want to rent this such small unit uh, because they are completely out of touch mm. with what the young people, first-time home buyer, can afford, number one. Of course, if you can give me a unit, this kind of toilet size, and sell it for 200000 yeah yeah, can lah. Mm-hmm. But if you can't, right? There's always going to be costs, and I have to understand the industry well enough to propose a product that I know they can sustainably build, they can make some money, but at the same time, the consumer will want to buy. Mm. Make sense so far? Yeah. So today, for example, when uh, you know I was uh, in Japan for my family holiday, I got a call from developer. That is a Chinese developer from Klang looking to buy a Malay reserve land. Mm. Right? So since I'm the only remotely Malayu fellow they know, right? So they call me, uh, hey, I'm about to sign this uh, 20 million deal. No? Uh, cannot, cannot. Uh. So I asked them what's the product they want to build, etc., etc. And then they told me, okay, then that, okay, you know what? Your, your, your size already good, quite good. But I want these facilities, mm. right? So because the property is nearby LRT station, right? It's nearby LRT station, right? And it's nearby Putra LRT station. Mm, so you go to KLCC, mm. right? And whatnot, right? And I told them, I want you to build this, right? I want you to build rooftop pool. I want you to build a 24-hour gym, right? I want you to build a 24-hour co-working because I want to target the young people. Right, first-time home buyer who doesn't need such a big space to go and sleep, mm. but there's enough common area for them to go and chill and network. Simply because a lot of people choosing to become single because it's very expensive to get married. It's very expensive to have kids, and today marriages is a uh, you ask me uh, mm. is a union of convenience rather than doing it for love lah. So when things get difficult, it's very easy to just say you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I went to this program called Singularity University in four four years ago um, and uh, because I wanted to understand what would disrupt property values so there's a couple of 
emerging trends, mm. which is already happening in the Western, which is coming to Asia. We haven't received that in full, but you're already seeing signs. And number one of the signs is that, number one, as the population becomes more educated, people are choosing to not get married. Mm. Number one. Number two, women become more educated than men. Mm. Okay. Number three, women is basically, from a DNA point of view, they do hypergamy. So meaning they're going to marry the best candidate they find and normally they don't want anyone lower. Makes sense, ma? Yeah. Right? And because of that, if I look at the university today in Malaysia, right, you already have 60 to 65% of the current population in university today are actually female. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have big problem. Just going to be a lot of people not getting married. Not because they don't want to because preferences. Yeah. And people has been told, educated by their parents that, oh, you know, you job is more important than family and all that, right? And 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 money is more important than having a relationship and all that. So we are heading towards that, mm. right? So so therefore, I know already, moving forward, there's going to be a lot more single people right. can afford properties. A lot more single people who will focus on their career, therefore they can afford to go buy property, right? Mm. So they don't need a three-bedroom, four-bedroom anymore. Right, I got invited to become panel of expert. Mm. I'm just going to talk about it. Yeah, uh, for KPKT last year, Dr. Raya from KRI today is a friend, and uh, I I told her in a recent joint interview that we need to get there for a show for I don't know, Astro or I forgot. But I said we got to change. You got to lead the change of definition of affordable housing because today definition of affordable housing is must be tigerville. Mm. So the stupid thing about when you, it, not stupid, like it makes sense, right? But you can't build a 250,000 TGBL in KL. Yeah. And make money. You're going to lose money for sure. There's just no way. Alright? But you can definitely build a one-bedroom for 180,000. Mm. A comfortable one-bedroom for 180,000. And if you look at the household, Penang, Klang Valley, Johor Bahru, the fastest growing household is one-person household and two-person household. One-person household is you single, Two percent household is that you either have girlfriend or boyfriend, or you got married with no kids. Three percent means typically you got one kid, lah. Mm. Those two are growing. The other two is on the decline. Mm. If we keep on hopping, three bedroom must be three bedroom. So what's gonna happen? Yes, developer will build three bedroom, lah. Semenye. Which single guy you know want to stay in Semenye? Mm. Right? Does it make sense? So education is key. We believe that if we allow developer, we help developer to build the right product because we understand the market better. Number one, they reduce the risk, right, of yeah. abandonment. Yep. Right? Because if you don't sell at least 70% of the first year, you are negative cash flow from a construction point of view. Mm. You have a very much higher risk of abandonment. Yeah. Right? So at 70% and below. Right? Number one. Number two here is that if you, they build the right product from the start, higher predictability of sales means they can price the product cheaper. Yeah. Right? So the most interesting product that I'm going to create right now, working with the developer today, is walkable to an LRT station below 200,000 with a 24-hour gym, 24-hour swimming pool, rooftop overlooking KL. Mm. So, you know. A Malay reserve lah. Malay reserve mm. Non-Malay reserve will be about 210,000. Not too bad. Still very good, right? Still very good, right? Settle behind. Uh, <laughs> uh, ask no more. Take my money. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think if you can give developers some level of confidence and predictability yep. when it comes to demand, they can actually 
take your advice, build products smaller, cheaper, mm. and what makes sense based on the demographic that will come. We've got 1.5 million young population that will come to the workforce in the next 10 years. Mm. So that's just data. You look at Department of Statistics, right? So once you point again data and fact, it doesn't matter whether I'm Melayu ke, China ke, India ke, my facts is my facts. Ah. Mm-hmm. Right? So so I think that's where, for example, today I can have some level of repetition that I'm a very straight shooter. Mm. And I will tell the developers it is, ah, you know, your product sucks. Ah. Mm. <laughs> I have no problem. Right? I normally do that. And because your product sucks today, you have to give a 30, 40, 50% haircut. Mm. I met a developer who told me my, my cost to construct a very luxury condo in Johor was 550. I said, yeah, I agree. I know. But mm. you still have to sell it below 400 ringgit per square foot because that's the only way you can sell. Because the market in Johor cannot tap. Yep. At 1,000 per square foot. Mm. Singapore is not going to come and buy because everyone got burned. Sorry. Everyone got burned buying in Johor. La. So you pick your yeah. poison. Very cool. Then, like, throughout your work, I follow, I'm also a client, but I hear, like, like when you speak to developers, at the same time, you speak heavily about B40s, M40s. Sometimes when we are investors, right, we f- really tend to forget that these are products that people buy once in their lifetime. Yeah. So it's such a huge responsibility, right, mm. to tell them, like, this one can buy, bro. Mm. How do you deal with that? So I think education is key, which is why, as you know, we give a lot of free education. Yeah. I think we are the only group who cares if you are actually bankrupt or KPK and you cannot get a borrowing today, right? And the rest of the industry only want to serve you if you are somebody, you have money and you can buy property today. Mm. Right? You today, you don't need far capital, mm. right? Simply because, no, I, I tell everyone, I've uh, got a 1 million ringgit budget to go and buy property. Mm. I got a 100,000 cash mm. as down payment. You're going to have 100 agents DMing you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh. But if you tell people you're on a KPK, I cannot get loan, how do I buy property? No one gives a f about you. Mm-hmm. True? That's just a reality. La. We we take it upon that. We 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 pay forward. We pay forward. Uh we educate. Which is why, for example, today, you know, I've got clients who become a client today, they bought twenty at uh, thirty, twenty properties, ten properties, fifteen properties, bought Mercedes, drive for share and whatnot, right? Yeah. From cash flow. Now, I'm very happy for them. But my most happiest story will always be people like Vanny, right? Who for years uh, under AKPK couldn't buy a property. Right? She was 40 years old when she joined us. Zero property because she was under AKPK, right? Got out from AKPK in one year. Mm. Today, able to buy two properties. Wow. Right? So for me, these are the stories that I, I... That's the reason why I wake up. Mm. Right? Excited to go to work. The reason why I don't mind doing content right, until 4 o'clock yesterday morning, right, because, you know, we're talking about, I'm thinking, why does Singaporean keep on losing money, right? Yeah. Buying Malaysia property, and I, I don't want Malaysia to have that stigma. If you want Malaysia, sure, lose money, right? No, right? You know, mm. you know, at the end of the day, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons contributed to that, we can go to that, we have time. Uh, but, you know, I, I like stories like Nora Rila, whereby, you know, she's a government servant, had two personal loans, had two car loans, right? I was severely in that, it came to us and within two years, pay off two car loans, two personal loans, mm. no more bad debt, and own today almost six properties from zero. Any, like, is there anything that you can share that what do you help them do instead? No, we do a more holistic way of planning. So basically what we do here is that the goal is not to sell property. Mm. The goal is to find a property 
use a vehicle to fit your objective. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you are in high debt, right, the requirement for property is very different compared to you just looking for another investment because you have additional spare cash. Mm. Does that make sense? Right? If you are a single mom, you have very different priorities versus, you know, as a housewife, got extra cash mm. to do and helping husband to go and buy a property. Yep. Right? So it's that customized flow of basically being able to go and do what is needful for you. And the the difference between us and let's say, for example, let's say buying from agents is that from an agent point of view, if you have one inventory, it's like, a, you know, you're a hammer. Lah. Mm. Anything also you knock lah because you're a hammer. Mah. So you're always going to sell this one property because that's what I have to sell. For us, it's not. Mm. Right? We have a lot of clients that we told them, you know what, you shouldn't buy property this year. You should focus on building house income first. Mm. Well, your income is just too low. You know, if you make 1,005, mm. why are you asking people to go buy property 1,005? And I hear groups don't worry, we can make fake, fake pay slip for you. And, you know, it's just giving the industry a bad name. Mm. Right? And to the point, even at one point, we were, in a way, defamed into doing such things. La. But of course, you are my client. You know. Yeah. We don't do such shit. Mm. Right? You don't have money. Go increase your income first. La. And these are kind of extra income that you can make out of properties. Right? Without owning one. Right? And once you reach this level, you go buy property. Right? So I like this idea whereby we use property as a tool. It's a means to an end. We don't buy property because we love property. We buy property because, well, it's going to allow us to get from point A to point B. And then you go to point C. And then you go to point D. And as a result, after three, five years, typically after becoming a client, life is normally quite okay if you follow the full advice. Yeah. Right? That's in a nutshell of what we're trying to do at FACAP. That's from a mission values point of view. I, I spoke to Amanda about this and she asked me, it was our moonshot. Mm. Samantha is a very value-driven person, right? So I'm a little bit of a mix of both. And she said, what's my moonshot? I said, you know, uh, moving 100, 200 properties doesn't excite me, she said. Oh. Right? Give me a moonshot. I said, no, our moonshot has always been one to elevate people financially. Ma. So you had to use cash flow, you know, mm. and that means our properties, right? I said, okay, you know what? Let's target to actually move people up from, let's say, B40 to M40 and M40 to T20 and from T20 to T5. Let's target to move 3 million of these people in the next five years. Mm. What a goal. Right? So she said, okay. Mm. No. No questions. No questions asked. Mm. Because we now have something to live for. So it was never financial. Mm. The goal was always to build something which is meaningful that a lot of people can benefit from. So today at FACAP, we are using technology. We are investing a lot of infrastructure and technology to the point we can basically do this on an automated basis. So everything using tech. So to the point when people come to become a client, they will know immediately uh, within a couple of days that how much loan they can get, what kind of property should they be buying based on their current objective or mm. property. We're hoping to make that process to become a few minutes. And we are in Malaysia. Uh, we have a pretty decent household brand in uh, Malaysia, we are doing okay. Uh, we are starting in Indonesia. So, and the reason why we want to go to Indonesia because uh, number one, from a market opportunity point of view, it's just 10 times bigger. 10 mm. times the population, so 10 times bigger market. Jakarta alone has got equivalent population of Malaysia. One city. Right? So, that's how big. But the problem is a lot more severe too. Which is a lot more exciting for us because number one, here, we complain about OPR go up and you have to pay 4% interest rate. Over there, cheapest is 10%. Interest rate? Interest rate. 10%? 10%. Cheapest, huh? 
So you can go up to all the way to 13%. Loan for apartments is maximum 15 years. 15? 15 years. So not only you pay nearly triple the interest, your loan tenure is less than half of what you guys enjoy in Malaysia. That's what got me into AKPK. Right? <laughs> it's just crazy. So so the gap and the divide between the rich and the poor is mm. just massive over there. Mm. Right? If you're a fresh grad today, right? I can see some of you young people here, right? In Jakarta, right? Here in Malaysia, you can still go to platform like Vitopia and still get zero deposit rental and all of that, right? So how, how it works in Indonesia? You have to pay the full year rental in advance. And normally, the rental uh, for a billet, minimum 2 to 3 juta, uh, equivalent to 600 to 700 ringgit. So your billet doesn't look anything like this. Uh. Your billet is literally cement, katil, aircon, one almari, and one toilet. The one that got our YB comment lately. Yes, like that. Mm. Like that, right? Except that he has got a toilet. It's called Kosan over there. Kosan. Kosan. Kos Kosan. Right? So it's very popular there. So it's really, you build like a bungalow and then you have 30 rooms uh, with mm. 30 toilets. Uh, it's called Kosan over there. And you have to pay one full year of rental in advance. And normally people take a personal loan of 20% interest rate to pay that one full year in advance. Oh my God. It's crazy. Just to rent house, you're poorer idea. Yes. And it's a necessity, right? Yeah. So it's just... And people ask me, how are we going to make money from Indonesia? Look, I don't know. Yeah. I think there's a model whereby we can make money, but it's unproven. But to me, what's more interesting is that how do you solve this problem? Yeah. How do you make it housing become more affordable? How do you become, make rooms become more affordable? So whatever we do in Malaysia doesn't work over there. Because mm. credit system is different. Developers don't get financing from the banks. Therefore, everything becomes more expensive. So you can imagine, I visited a property that looks like It's equivalent to... I think our rumah wilayah is better. Mm. Right? But it looks like the pool for 2,000 people to share is as big as, I think, from, from here up until there. So, you know, like, you know, you go to Sha'alam, you see those old bungalow, uh, orang kaya, cerita melayu, kan? Uh. So, that kind of side bungalow uh. is to be shared between 1,200 people. And you know how much is that selling? That is a location equivalent to kampung in Rawang. Not Rawang town centre, kampung in Rawang. So, it's like half an hour to town centre. Mm. Rawang, town centre, not even KLCC. Mm. 700 per square foot. Ringgit, right? Yes. So, income is half of Malaysian. Property values is double more expensive. Maintenance fee is 70 cents. The gym normally got three or four equipments and a couple of dumbbells on the floor. Mm. And the gym is normally maybe... Ah, this, this kitchen mm-hmm. is sad. It's just sad. Uh. So, you know, we've been around for one year and we're still, you know, uh, re, uh, what I call, um, realigning our business model to make sure that we do it without losing money. Uh. So, I think we found a model and we're going to try our first deal this year, about deal in uh, Jakarta this year. Uh, and let's see. But we are actually very fortunate as Malaysian. Speak. Very, very, very fortunate as Malaysia. You guys really should go to Singapore and speak to the young people who stays in room paying $1,000. Mm. That's, 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 that's what we went recently. So I think because like if you are a property investor, right, like just like the developers who design wrongly aligned products based on their personal biasness, right? when we speak to, like when you have four to five properties already, the people you mix with is also that level, mm. but we, we lose touch on what's on the ground. Yeah. Then when I meet them, 
the common stigma is property cannot make it in Malaysia. Mm. What's your take on that? You're talking about the foreign guys? Foreign guys, not... Actually, foreign guys still other hope. Okay. <laughs> but lo- it's the local guys, right? Who is like, hey, Malaysia cannot make it one lah. But, but maybe you can take on the Singaporean point of view or the Malaysian point of view. I think first and foremost, again, mm. is is it an opinion or is it a fact? I doubt it's a fact. Lah. Uh, so so it could be a fact based on Personal what they know, right? Mm. My take to that, let's look at the data, right? Malaysia property price growth, right? On a non-annualized basis from 1990 all the way to 2019, it's actually 15% a year. 15. One five. Cool. Right? <laughs> I'm very happy. <laughs> it's better than Singapore. Mm. Right? It's better than Singapore. Now, if you are playing in a market whereby that's average, uh, mm. in the last 30 years, people are making 15, 14, 15% a year growth, right? And then you don't make that kind of returns. While the average, my mom, my your dad, you know, mm are making those kind of return, right? What does it say about your skill as an investor? Is it a market problem or is it an investor problem? Mm. We have a lot of uh, audiences, especially Malaysians in Singapore. Then they were thinking, like, hey, where do I put my money? What would be your advice to them? Because they are earning sing dollar, but they are not. They are like halfway through that metric. I think the general question will always be for Malaysia working in Singapore. It's not they don't believe in Malaysia property. I think they worry about the currency depreciation. Mm. That's always going to be the worry. Lah. It might be better off putting my money in Singapore where the, con- the currency continues to grow. Appreciate. Versus Malaysia ringgit continue to appreciate. Newsflash. Mm. Bank Negara already told us 20 years ago, ringgit will always depreciate against Singapore dollar. Mm. It's already widely known from an economist's point of view that this is the strategy. So it's not a secret. Ah. 10 years later... Singapore dollar will be worth more than Malaysia ringgit. After all, we export a lot of stuff to Singapore. There's no reason for a currency to be strong, right? So I always hear this argument. Oh, last time, ah, uh, one ringgit equivalent to one Sing dollar. But because of corruption. No, brother, it's not because of corruption. Corruption is a reason, yes. But when Bank Negara already told you 20 years ago that they will gradually decrease against our trading partner, you should take notice. They already told you what's going to happen. So again, it's fact huh? versus an opinion, right? My personal advice for any Malaysian today in Singapore is to build book. Mm. Why choose? Your birthright as a Malaysian allows you to go and own a bunch of property in Malaysia at no cost. One. Mm. You literally don't need to pay money to own a property in Malaysia. So why the f*** not? So whatever money you have, you focus on getting your first HDB in Singapore because that one will automatically make you a millionaire 20 to 30 years from now. Why choose? You can do both. I don't get it. Lah, this conversation. Mm. Lah. So anyone talk to me about currency depreciate, what about this? Lah? That I know immediately these guys are very novice, very immature, simply because they thought I need to put 100,000 Sing dollar to go buy Malaysia property. Mm. No guys, you can buy using zero. So if you don't put any money, you don't exchange anything from Sing dollar to RM, how are you going to lose from a currency depreciation point of view? You buy the property in ringgit, you take the loan in ringgit, your rental is collected in ringgit, how are you losing? It's all gains. Correct. Unless uh, you take the money, go and convert, 
then you go and put 300,000 to invest in Malaysia. Then you are subject to that. Mm. That I agree. But if you are generally worried about the ringgit depreciation against Singapore dollar, like I said, lah, two things. Number one, if confirmed will happen one. Bank Negara will tell you it's going to happen. Singapore Central Bank also tell you it's going to happen. So it's not like a surprise one. Mm. You're not a genius for saying that. Right? Number two here is that rather than trying to put money into Malaysia market property, my suggestion is to use your salary, use your payslip to build wealth in Malaysia. I have a general guide. I've done the math last night. Oh, that's cool. Every $1,000 salary you make, mm. if you don't make at least half a million of wealth in Malaysia, you didn't fulfill your full potential. Yeah, because that allows you to qualify more loans on that. Mm. And banks love them. Yeah. Your sacrifice in Singapore needs to be worthwhile. Needs to be worthwhile. You are right. Mm. Why suffer? Mm. Right? Why suffer so bad? Right? You know, make sure you get something out of this. Mm. And I think if you come back to Malaysia with two or three million ringgit portfolio fully paid 20 years from now, I think you have a much better lifestyle of collecting 20,000 ringgit retiring in Malaysia. Mm. You know? Yep. Than staying in your HDB right, staying in HDB, at your CPF money of maybe about a million, which I don't know whether you can withdraw or can't withdraw, <laughs> right? Oh, it's going to be banned in Singapore. I, look, it's just a reality. Lah. Mm. Uh, you uh, you call me, I'm a street shooter. Mm-hmm. I tell you as it is. That's 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 that. Lah. I mean, like, if if you are okay with that, you know, you want to wear a 7-Eleven at 65, go ahead. Fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? But 20,000 ringgit that free in Malaysia, mm. from a lifestyle point of view, you and I know lah. Yeah. We live very comfortably here lah. Very. Very comfortably here. Right? So, there's no question. Do both. Then, like, throughout what you do, right, like, speaking about your B40, M40 customers, <laughs> witnessing, like, I don't join every seminars that you do, but I'm surprised that you do almost every week. That's something I need to learn also. Like, how do you work so hard? And now I know the purpose of it. <clears throat> but why... There's still so much hate. I think um, you, you have to understand perspective of people. Number one, people generally get very uncomfortable with things they don't understand. Mm. Right? People get very uncomfortable when they don't understand you. This is equivalent to 10 years ago when there's Grab versus your taxi driver. Mm. Are the taxi driver happy with the influx of new drivers from Grab. Okay. They're not. So they pick up, they get government to try to ban Grab, etc, etc. So when you are trying to disrupt the market and you're trying to do it multiple times, naturally you're going to have haters. Mm. Full stop. Okay. Right? So now, what happens when I educate people for free? Right? I told people, you want to buy property for own stay, use three criteria. If you want to buy something for investment, use seven criteria. And there's a reason I explain why, right? It's a two-hour free. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. there on my YouTube. Go and watch it, right? Now, what happened when it comes to that here is that you got people who used to sell property last time mm-hmm. and they just use this property value always go up, location, location, location. You buy everything, show me money one. Mm. Right? They used to be able to go and sell with that. Now people are coming to them and ask, hey, sir, what is the median for this area? Mm. What is the booster in this area? And this guy's like, what the f*** is going on with? Mm. How come these questions are coming to me? 
there's never been a tougher time in my life to go and move properties, you know, and I cannot answer it. Or naturally, as you educate the public better, there are going to be some people who, number one, don't want to be educated, don't want to change, and they are going to call themselves as a victim. Mm. I've, in a way, disrupted the industry multiple times, and I'm not going to stop here, right? I founded Makeover Guys, right? What was our mission in Makeover Guys? Mm. Want to make good ID unit affordable, accessible to everyone. Because at that point of time, if you want to have some level of ID like this, you don't have 100 ringgit per square foot, you've got no way to go and do it. We completely disrupted the industry. So to the points, all these people who used to whack mm, the ID, you know, ID guys who used to whack people 100, 200, 300 ringgit per square foot, right? Mm. Decided to enter this field, doing it at a lower cost. Mm. Right? So, I've gotten hatred. Gavin has gotten hatred. Yeah, of course, you know about mm. this because, you know, um, you were part of Makeover as before. And when you start doing something which is weird and changing the way people doing business, naturally, people are going to get very uncomfortable mm. in the beginning. Number two, today I'm disrupting, right? To the point whereby I've got even other bug purchase group coming to me to go and get supply because they know they couldn't compete from a price point point of view. You know, yeah. you are our client for a reason, yeah, right? Mm. You're a very intelligent fellow. Mm. You've done your homework and you know already there's no one buying cheaper than us, mm. right? Look at what's out there in Monkeara, a two-bedroom that people are selling at seven, eight hundred thousand. How much is our clients buying? 400 in the same area. It makes no sense, right? And moving forward, we advise developer to go and build the right product and all that. The reality is that the industry is going to become better. Mm. Right? But at the beginning, you must be prepared to be misunderstood. Wow. Mm. So, and part of the price of being misunderstood is that you're going to get a lot of heaters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I... I don't like it more than anyone, but I have to accept that's the price you pay when you go. When people don't understand you, people are very uncomfortable. Mm. What the f*** is this guy trying to do? Very dodgy. But the reality here is that, you know, I've been invited to see a few prime ministers. I've always been invited to be part of KPKT, panel of discussion. I've got mentors in the form of, you know, uh, Tantri Naziraza, Afzal and all of that, right? Uh, from Endeavour. We are now Endeavor, Endeavor, we are part of YPO. These are all, why would they want to work with someone who's dodgy? Who's dodgy, number one, who's not good at what they are doing. Because mm. the reality of the day, they realize that of all the people out there in the market trying to move properties, we are the only one who's doing nation building. Mm. I literally say, if you are a KPK, never mind, you join my class for free. Mm. Yeah, you know this. Yep. Right? And if you're blacklist or bankrupt, no problem. We'll tell you what to do, right? And I'm hoping that we can introduce with technology free services, mm. right, for the public. While generally a lot of people have benefited from our platform, our ecosystem and our services. I cannot discount the fact that they are also people who are not going to be a beneficiary of our existence. Mm-hmm. If you're an agent in Monkeara trying to sell a two-bedroom for 800000 sorry, Life is difficult for you mm. because we have an inventory of 400,000 that only far capital client can buy. You know what I mean? Yep. Naturally, there's going to be hatred. Mm. Right? Because, you know, everyone has to cari makan and for me, I understand that it's not personal. Right? We we, we even got reported to Bovia 
we are agent haram. I got reported, I got investigated by the investigation officer, and we are cleared. Mm. Right? And ultimately, we want to be, as you know, we want to be a public listed company Yep. Uh, in the next two years. I think a lot of people don't understand. People always have this mentality of Malaysia, Boleh, everything in Kautim. It's very difficult to become a public listed company in Malaysia. It's even more difficult to become a listed company in Malaysia than Singapore, especially in Australia. Yes. It's very difficult, but we are trying to be listed in Mainboard, you know, KL, you know, in the next two years. So imagine how clean we have to be from an operation point of view. Mm. Right? And people sometimes, you know, they just don't have logic. Mm. Right? And I think uh, David Goggins uh, said this. Uh, oh, okay. Right? You will never be hated by someone who's doing better than you. Mm. Powerful. Right? Mm. So it doesn't matter what industry, right? You're never going to be hated if you're a loser. Right? Mm. People can You're only going to be hated because you reach a certain level. So, so if people feel you're doing better than them, you're a threat potentially to the rest of naturally there's going to be hate, right? But we've always operated in a way whereby, well, to me, very simple. Like you cari makan, we all cari makan. I employ almost 200 people as of today. I want to pay my people who are Malaysian decent salaries, mm. right? And and we all do what we need to do. Lah. As long as people don't get too personal, I think it's fine. Lah. And I've seen that too. Even you have gotten, you know, some comments, uh, sell out and whatnot, right? So mm. for me, it's a uh, common, it's part of growing. Okay. Right? And uh, where's a uh, right path, lah, right path? Lah. Huh? <laughs> I don't know if it's the right path, but it's your path. Mm. Right? My path is my path, your path is your path, right? So, 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 and people, again, the people who comment bad things about you are not going to do more than you. Mm. I'm not going to educate the public more than you. Mm. He's not going to educate the public more than me. Yeah. That's why they are so free-hating, you see. We are busy trying to do something. Yeah. Trying to make this industry a better place, right? Mm. Right? We spoke about, you know, how people can potentially use you and your name and whatnot and you just have to be cautious and, and, yep. and knowing like, that there's a possible you know, scenario for you, right? And 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 it's just something that you have to go through. Cool. What a conversation, right? <laughs> Everyone feels like, whoa. <laughs> but me too. And I'm, uh, and I'm very, very appreciative of your time today, knowing that you are very, very busy. I still can't believe that this is your very first podcast, but I think after this, you will have a lot of invitations soon. <laughs> because with the podcast scene also, I, we can get re- very real. We can get very transparent in sessions like this. At least for a while, don't stop being judged a bit. Uh, and I'm a big fan of what you do. That's why I'm a big client also. Uh, big buyer, I hope. <laughs> Still trying to make a lot of purchases. And uh, I think that's all for today. Uh, if people want to reach you directly, uh, where do they get to reach you? Then they can go to my TikTok. They can go to my Instagram. My Instagram is called Faisal Rizwan. TikTok, somewhere. WT Faisal. Mm. Uh, because my book is called WTF. Oh, 23 properties by 30 so WT by so I saw a lot of uh, viral scenes inside already yeah, yeah. Huh. We, we we tend to get that uh, unfortunately <laughs> or fortunately <laughs> for us you know cool it's what it is. yeah so again thank you very much for the session and see you guys on the next one ciao when love